The tasty non-alcoholic beer I'm drinking right now is Right Side Citrus Wheat that puts a spin on a tropical aroma where you get hints of fresh tangerine juice, banana, and a hint of spice that pulls it all together. It's like a blue moon with deep orange flavors, a medium body, and a crisp finish. It's the perfect beer for a hot summer day or hanging out with friends at the park or a ball game. Hi everyone, I'm Marco Salazar and welcome to the For All Drinks podcast, your place for discovering delicious non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, mocktails, and more for leading a fun, healthy, and inclusive lifestyle. On today's episode, we speak with Emery Woods, founder of Right Side Brewing and the first female-led non-alcoholic brewery in the United States. Thank you so much for joining us today. Emery Woods could have never anticipated that her first pregnancy in 2017 would inspire a non-alcoholic beer brand. While not being able to drink while she was pregnant, she realized there were no authentic tasting non-alcoholic beer brands, only the big brands that had been around for seemingly forever. She saw an opportunity in the non-alcoholic brewing space for a great tasting craft option. Health and wellness was always a priority before and after her pregnancy, and drinking always seemed to contradict this lifestyle. Her entrepreneurial spirit was enveloped with the idea of a balanced, brighter life with no social sacrifices or stigmas around not drinking. Channeling her passion, creativity, and patience, she created her first non-alcoholic brew prototypes in her kitchen with a home brewing kit. She quickly learned that she needed more brewing expertise under her belt, which led her to a partnership with Big Kettle Brewers in 2020. Both parties were all in on the mission of developing authentic non-alcoholic beverages that would cultivate a community of wellness-focused customers. They launched their first beers in 2021, the crisp citrus wheat that I spoke about, as well as a tropical American IPA to inspire people to be on the right side of their beverage choices. I'm excited for you to learn about her amazing journey of opening up the first female-led non-alcoholic brewery in the United States. So here she is, Emery Woods from Right Side Brewing. Hey, Emery. Thanks so much for joining us on the Four All Drinks podcast. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you today. One, because you created a delicious non-alcoholic beer, but two, are the first female brewing company. And that is huge because I think in the entire non-alcoholic beverage industry, we really talk about inclusivity and diversity and really welcoming people. And I love that you started this brewery and I'm really excited to hear about the story. So to kick it off, where did the idea for Right Side Brewing come from? I started Right Side when I actually was pregnant with my daughter, Maisie, and that was back in 2017. So that's when I first got the idea. I was trying out different NA beers and honestly didn't care for for them at the time. This was before the craft scene really came online. I went into some package stores and I was trying a bunch of them and I said, we have to find a better way to make this. So my husband and I got to work in our kitchen. We had never homebrewed anything. We bought all the stuff and had all the homebrew supplies and started trying to make beer in our kitchen. And we were using the boil method. So we tried to boil off the alcohol. He made me leave the house because the fumes were so bad and it was such a mess. So I quickly pivoted and started researching all the technology to make a good tasting non-alcoholic beer. That was the, the whole goal. Here we are. So after, after I spent the better part of three years researching technology and sourcing the technology, in addition to writing a business plan and having another baby, my, my third baby right side was born. 
Wow, wow, wow. And was the technology accessible? Was it affordable? Had, had that changed in the industry so that it was easier to start, say, five, 10 years ago? Yes, for sure. Even when from the time I started sourcing it in 2017, by the time I purchased it in 2019, the cost had come down. But I was also very serious about which kind of technology I wanted to re- to source. And that was really only available from a couple big companies. And they their equipment at the time really didn't serve the craft industry. It was more for large batch, the big guys that you think about. So now there's more accessible technology. It's still expensive, right? It's still, it still requires an investment, but definitely has come down to uh, where it makes a little bit more sense for a smaller startup. Gotcha. So you're not necessarily brewing it in uh, using heat. You're using a different type of technology and process. Can you share a little bit about that? And I think yeah, what's, interesting, yeah, what's interesting is a lot of the non-alcoholic beverage beer brands are using different types of technology and really experimenting and innovating. And I think it's really cool that not everybody use, is using the exact same process. I know it is really fascinating and, uh, and they all taste really good. So it doesn't take one, there's not one right way to do it to your point. So we use filtration equipment. So instead of using heat to remove the alcohol or stopping it early, we fully ferment the beer and then use filtration that basically just removes water and alcohol from the beer, leaving the original aroma, color, um, and taste profile of the original beer. Gotcha. And what made you decide the first two flavors that you launched with? Yeah. So we have a citrus wheat and an IPA. And I really wanted two different styles that had broad flavor appeal. To me, the wheat started out as a blue moon, if you will. And we really wanted something that was going to be lighter and just a, a little bit more on the citrusy side. And then to balance that kind of what you would think of as your traditional IPA, something that's hoppy and just screams craft. I, to me, IPA is the most popular craft beer style and that, but I didn't want anything too crazy either. I didn't want to do double hop or anything like that. I still wanted it to be a more medium style IPA. Yeah. And so we're recording this in April and you launched just probably about four or five months ago. How did the, uh, during a pandemic, how did the (laughs) launch go? How did the pandemic end up altering your way of uh, launching? So we were actually planning to launch in the fall of 2020. And because of the pandemic, we got pushed back a bit, but not by too much, but just because of equipment delays and such. So we launched in January, perfect time for dry January. And the launch was great. We did a soft, soft opening online, if you will. It was really a bummer because we didn't get to do any sort of launch party in person, but we made the best of it. And I joke around that our first anniversary party is going to be really fun. (laughs) What made you come up with the idea of naming it Right Side? I love talking about Right Side because I think we ha- I had a laundry list of name ideas and my sister-in-law actually cre- came up with all of them. She's super creative. And a couple of them were straight and narrow and peacekeeper were two of the top ones. And then right side was the other top idea. And I felt like what I really wanted for right side was for it to be fun and be celebrated and be bright. And I felt like peacekeeper and straight and narrow 
were maybe a little bit more on the like the negative side and right side to me just seemed to evoke what I really wanted the brand to be. This is more of an entrepreneurial question and starting a business in general is hard. Starting a bet food or beverage business is even harder. But an NA beverage company that is just emerging and people are just starting to learn about it. What are some of the challenges that you faced at, at the beginning of this launch? That's a really good question. I think education for people, because at least in the Southeast, it really hasn't uh, gained ground in terms of an, a true understanding of what the NA world is all about. And so there is a little bit of consumer education down here, but I think once people try it, they're, they're, they totally get it. What are some of the responses that people give if they're trying an NA beer or your beer for the first time? And then what is their response after they taste it? It's so funny. It's almost the same every time. Why would I drink this? Like, why would I want a beer without alcohol in it for those that drink alcohol outside of NA? And I'm like, it's an option for you. And but I think everyone has this idea that it's not going to taste good. And when they finally get a chance to try it, oh my goodness, this tastes like beer. I get more and more, particularly friends, right? Then say, can I get a little bit more of that? Can I get a little bit more of that? And I think you you share something really fascinating about the growth of the non-alcoholic beverage industry in during a pandemic. One of the biggest challenges for any beverage producer is a sips to lips and providing an opportunity for people to taste in general, but I think particularly in the non-alcoholic beverage space, because it really catches people by surprise how delicious all of these new beverages are. And fortunately, people have still been interested from an e-commerce standpoint to still purchase and try them out. Definitely. Activation has been all but stopped. And so if trial is the big piece of the puzzle, it it presents challenges there for sure, but we're trying to do it safely. And, but also I think people are really craving that option, particularly after the pandemic. So as you were building this out, coming up with the recipes, eventually launching the business, launching it online, what have been the next steps in terms of growing the company? What does your team look like? What does a company look like in terms of growing an early stage non-alcoholic beverage company? Yeah, it's been really fun. That's been the most fun piece of this, actually. I think, so we are direct to consumer online, but we also are distributed in Georgia and something particularly after 2020, there's over a million women have left the workforce because they've had to balance the challenges of family life and work life. And to me, it was, we're providing a very small opportunity for that segment of women, but I think We've created a little mom posse. They're part-time opportunities that prioritize balancing family over work, but also give women and men too. It just happened to be that's who teamed up with us. They're going out to some of our package stores and our small chains and pitching right side as a brand ambassador to su help support our distribution partners. And they've been awesome. It's been really fun to work with them. What does your day-to-day -day look like in terms of running an NA beverage business? So I, I studied entrepreneurship in college, and then I studied again in grad school, and I worked for a startup out of grad school, and I worked for a small business right out of college. Long story short is I'm really familiar with the small business world, and I've always worn a million hats. Until now, these are definitely the most hats I've ever worn. So I start my day maybe in helping with 
orders and customer service. And then I jump into marketing and then end up tackling finances. And so it's a busy day, but it's really fun. I love every piece of business. So you just shared now that you studied entrepreneurship. Can you share a little bit more about your background and experience and how that's actually influenced or is helping you out in growing RightSide? Definitely. So I've worked in beverage for five years now, primarily on the commercial sales side. So I've never really been in sales, but I have that exposure which really gave me the confidence to tackle this industry because it's not an it's not an easy one, right? There's a lot of ins and outs to it between the lingo and how to craft a selling story and any of that stuff. It's not it's not easy to navigate at the beginning. Definitely that helped give me a kind of the confidence to to get started. And then I've like I said, I've worked in as employee one at a startup. Out of, out of grad school. It was different. It was a 3D printing company, which is also very cool, but I was doing everything there. And then, and, but I've always had more of a finance uh, background. So felt really good about creating forecasts and budgets. And then now I'm just rounding it out with marketing background, which is definitely where I need the most help. <laughs> What's your favorite part of the job? Definitely it's the interaction with customers by far. It's hearing their stories and hearing why right side has a place in their fridge and why they would rebuy. And of course, there's also other stuff that we talk to them about, but it's just hearing that consumer feedback is so rewarding and fulfilling. And we just are blown away by the support of just the NA space in general. I think, I think NA consumers are so excited about where this category is headed there's so much momentum and enthusiasm that it's just such a fun place to be right now. We were talking a little bit beforehand about the mission of Right Side and the impact that it's making. Can you share a little bit about what that is and why you integrated that into the company? It's always been important to me. I knew I wanted to do my own business at some point, and it was always really clear to me that it had to have some sort of social impact to it. And so Right Side is certainly mission-driven. We donate 5% of profits to what I coined as fresh starts when I started the company. And I, to be honest, I knew I always wanted to support sobriety related efforts, but I didn't know what that exactly looked like. And I'm glad that I kept it vague and at the beginning, because it really gave me a chance to be purposeful about what that looked like. And it, it just so happens that in Atlanta, there's a there's an organization called the Giving Kitchen and they support food service workers in crisis. And in December, right before we launched, they announced a new program to support food service workers in recovery. There's this whole initiative from them and we ended up partnering so that a portion of our sales right now go to the Giving Kitchen and that effort because, and it's also very cyclical, right? Like we're out in the Atlanta community and restaurants and in turn, then we're supporting the workers that are in those restaurants. In this time in COVID, restaurants have been hit so hard. A lot of, there's a lot of stress in that industry in particular. So I'm, I'm really thrilled and humbled to be able to help them in the way we are. There's a lot of non-alcoholic beverage brands. There's a lot of like younger people that are creating these new emerging non-alcoholic beverage brands and they happen to be single or they don't have a family. <laughs> what is it like 
building out a startup, running this NA beverage brand and balancing out a family with three kids? Oh my goodness. So I have two kids, but I also have right side as But that is a really good question. They're an important piece of my life and they're take priority a hundred percent over anything right side related. But I think that there's something special. Once you become a parent, you gain this superpower of productivity. And so I think that you just have to be really focused when you have the time and I just use it so much wiser. And then I incorporate my daughter in particularly, she's three into helping me. So if you guys have watched Instagram videos, like my kids are there and they're following me around at these tennis matches and running races and things like that, just trying to spread the word. And I think it's fun to integrate them in as well. And I think honestly, it also gives me a different lens. I think a lot of people, consumers in particular, start to rethink their drinking when they become parents. And I think that kind of gives us a perspective that maybe other people don't have. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a couple of things that I, that you said that were really interesting. One is that you, your time is limited and you're forced to make decisions and, and prioritize on things that are probably the most important. And also if your kids ideally are the most important, then you, you, the other things that are important in the business have to match that in order for you to t- get taken away. And then I think the second is that I think that's great. You bring up a good point about the NA beverage space and proliferation of NA beverages is parents wanting to drink something tasty and complex, but not getting drunk while they're taking care of their kids. So this provides a really interesting opportunity to be able to consume beverages while still being fully present and mindful with their family. Exactly. For sure. Uh, That's amazing. And you right now you're obviously online and then you're distributed mostly in Georgia, where do you see are the next steps moving forward? And what are some of the challenges of becoming eventually a national brand? Yeah. So we, this in year one, our focus has always been just get, get our footprint in Georgia. So we're focusing right now on getting into package stores and restaurants, and then of course the grocery stores as well. So we're really working on building out that footprint. I can see us in surrounding states soon, but that's, that's the strategy. I really like that. I think one of the entrepreneurial traps is wanting to reach as many people as possible as soon as possible. But I think you can spread yourself thin versus I think what's interesting is you are one of the few brands in that area. So it really has Mm -hmm. an opportunity for you to instead of scale wide, really scale deep. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You hit it on the head. There's really not a lot in this area. And that's where I saw the opportunity was primarily geographically. That's localization is a big piece of where you see trends going, not only localization, but premiumization. And so felt like we fit right in there, but also on the health and wellness side. How do you see the non-alcoholic beverage industry changing in the next few years and, and kind of consumer behavior? So I think you see it already with the, particularly the larger, right? I mean, there's, I would say a relatively small percentage of the population is loyalists and enthusiasts of NA already. But then you also have the big guys getting into the space and just creating that awareness and that putting a lot of marketing behind NA and making it cool. I think, and smaller brands don't have that kind of funding, right, to create that awareness. And so I think you'll see exactly what happened with craft the craft scene for alcoholic beer, once people are aware of it, then they're going to start searching for it and then they'll find it. And and I think that there's going to be 
just a, a really great opportunity for NA to make a splash in the coming years. And I know you just launched and I know you're being super focused, but do you see any other flavors that you're thinking about? Are there any other flavors that you're thinking about producing? Yeah. So right now we're focused on scaling with the wheat and the IPA and perfecting those as well. Like we just came out with our, those two and but I think we certainly want to expand, but with the intention of really growing our distribution, we want to focus on those two for now, but potentially stay tuned later in the year for some fun surprises, particularly on the direct to consumer side. To wrap it up, I'd love to hear a little bit about what's your long-term vision of the company? Where do you see yourself and the company going in the future? I've always had a vision of being like, the Southeastern NA brand. I definitely want to expand beyond Georgia, but I don't actually envision trying to be like a big national brand, really. I think growing something intentionally, but growing it to, to a certain size and being, but really making sure we have really great products and try to do it right. No pun intended, the right side. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks for creating an amazing product. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us today. I am so happy that you had an opportunity to hear Emery's story and how she became the first woman to open up a non-alcoholic brewery in the United States. If you're subscribed to the show, thanks for being part of the For All Drinks community. I'd be super grateful if you can take a moment to leave me a rating if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, be sure to subscribe to this and all the other episodes of the podcast to start discovering more delicious non-alcoholic drinks. Lastly, visit foralldrinks.com for show notes to this episode and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest non-alcoholic beverage news, special giveaways, discounts, and more. Here's to drinking healthy, inclusively, and different. See you all next week.